Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibu First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. We have a number of things to tell you about this week. We'll be debriefing on the Abbott case with Dave Wells, chief of the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. But before we get to that, a reminder that the next regular meeting of Halibu Council takes place in Cornerbrook this coming Saturday, March 9th, starting at 9 a.m. Much of the meeting will focus on the budget for the next year and the annual operating plan, although there will be other business on the agenda. Mi'kmaq Matters will have live reports on Facebook from the council meeting, one report at midday on Saturday and another following the end of the afternoon. If you plan to attend the council meeting in person, you're asked to register in advance by contacting Tina Diamond at 6345111 or email council at halibu.ca with your full name and ban registration number. The other topic, before we get to Dave Wells, is the creation of a new alliance of Newfoundland Mi'kmaq bands. Before the creation of Halibu eight years ago, there were about a dozen Mi'kmaq bands, grouped under the umbrella of the Federation of Newfoundland Indians. Most have become dormant over that time and have not met together. Now, there is a bid to bring them back to life. It's via the Seven Shore Nations Network Alliance. The chief consultant is Liz Lasaga, former chief of the Flat Bay Band. The members of the Alliance had their first meeting last month in Flat Bay. According to its news release, the aim of the new Alliance is to create healthier, more sustainable Mi'kmaq communities across the island of Newfoundland. The Alliance says that it wants to oversee direct, community-based programs, services and economic development in all of the underdeveloped Mi'kmaq communities on the island outside of Con River. We hope to be able to tell you more about the Alliance in a future episode. And now to the Abbott case. The much anticipated legal challenge of the point system was heard in federal court in Ottawa last week on Tuesday, February 26th. The hearing actually took place at the Supreme Court of Canada building in the ornate East Room. From 9.30 in the morning until late afternoon, the court heard arguments from lawyers for the applicant, Justin Philip Abbott, and the respondents, the Federation of Newfoundland Indians and Canada. Mi'kmaq Matters streamed the case live, and you can watch the videos on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. You will also see on our Facebook page the court order issued by Justice Roger Lafreniere setting out conditions for the live streaming. The order states that the videos must be deleted from our page by no later than March 8th, this coming Friday. The other case was financed by the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. Dave Wells, chief of MFNAN, was in Ottawa for the Abbott case. I spoke with him to get a debrief and to ask him about the other item on his Ottawa itinerary, attending an event at the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples, or CAP. With Halibu having left CAP, the spot for Newfoundland affiliate is open, and MFNAN wants it. 
What did Dave Wells think of CAP after spending time at one of its events? So, Dave, we're talking on March the 2nd, the Saturday after the court case, and after you've spent a few days in Ottawa on other business. So let me ask you first about the um, about the court case, about the Abbott case. You uh, huddled with uh, John Wilson and Jamie Lickers after the case was concluded. How did you feel at the end of the day? I felt uh, very good, and I spoke to both Jamie and John about the case, and they felt very good. Uh, you know, one of the things that was pointed out in the case was procedural fairness. And there's not much between us, you know what I mean? There's not much procedural fairness within the supplemental agreement. Uh, that was one aspect. And as you know, the Abbott case centered on the point system, the allocation of the points, and uh, also it, the people that were removed as status members of the band. So that that was the two main parts there. But it was quite surprising that uh, the enrollment committee had a breakdown of how many points to allocate for each subsection, but that was never known to the applicants. So when you were filling it in, you had no idea when somebody says, do you make trips to Newfoundland? Well, yes, I make trips to Newfoundland. I go down once a year. But you didn't know that they were really only allocating possibly points for twice a year or something like that. Mm. Uh, do uh, do uh, John Wilson and Jamie Lickers have a sense of when Justice uh, Roger Lafreniere will give his decision? Uh, that's a bit of a guess, but we're, we are thinking maybe May or June. Mm. Now, now, the reason that the case was moved from Toronto to Ottawa was that we could get in faster in Ottawa uh, and get this over with, you know. Uh, the judge, uh, unlike uh, Justice Zinn in the Wells case, uh, Justice Lafreniere didn't make very many interventions in terms of uh, questions or things like that. So he was a bit hard to read in terms of uh, what his thoughts were about the case. Um, did uh, John Wilson and Jamie Lickers have any sense of that about his about his reaction, his demeanor? Yeah, uh, as you know, the judge came in and he told uh, the federal government, the FNI lawyers, along with uh, Jamie Lickers and John Wilson, that he had read everything and he let them know early on that he had a, a good, if not excellent, grasp of the file. Hmm. So you know, I mean, that sort of set the stage. I. I he wasn't overly hard on the arguments that were presented, but he did ask for clarification on a, on a lot of points with, uh, with through Gallings, Jamie, and John. However, when we move over to the uh, to the legal team representing the FNI and Department of Justice, the justice, the last lawyer to speak for the justice. She started out very strong, but he asked her some very pointed questions, and you could just see her argument falling apart. Mm. So, you know, that gave us some uh, reason to believe that uh, uh, this may go in our favor. But, you know, at best, we're cautiously optimistic, and we can never know what the judge is going to say. Uh, if, um, heaven forbid, he were to uh, rule against uh uh, Mr. Abbott, uh, do you think there might be an appeal? 
we would have to go back and really look at the arguments. And I'm going to suggest, yeah, yeah, we would probably appeal. Okay. Well, you've been in uh, the nation's capital uh, all this week. And uh, after the court case, you've been spending time with the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples. Uh, Tell us about that. Yes, uh, after the court case, uh, myself and Daryl Irvine, the uh, vice chief from uh, FMFNAN from Nova Scotia, we we went over to the Indigenous Leaders Conference or Symposium that was sponsored by the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples. <clears throat> and that gave us an opportunity to have a look at CAP and uh, uh, also speak to a lot of the people that were in attendance. And what uh, what was the nature of the event, this uh, symposium? It was a uh, it was centered around business uh, mentorship uh, programs, uh, how to, a little bit on how to start a business, where to go, and you know, don't be uh, just let your mind wander to see where you can go. Don't pigeonhole yourself into any box. Mm. I guess this is your first uh, time being at a a CAP event. What were your impressions of CAP? Uh, I was very happy. Uh, People were very friendly to us and receptive. Uh, So, yeah, you know, uh, we were happy. Both Daryl and I, when we walked away, we said, yeah, this was a good good event for us, Hmm. with Uh, us being MF and AN. Yes. Now, of course, uh, you're not um, officially members of, uh, of CAP yet. Were there other groups from Newfoundland there, are there uh, groups who might also apply for the affiliate spot from Newfoundland? Well, I've I've heard rumblings uh, like you that there are others that are going to be applying, uh, but I don't know who they are, and I have not seen uh, anybody from the West Coast that I knew that would who would be there representing other groups. So to answer your question, no. So as far as you know, you MFNN was the only Newfoundland group at that CAP event. Yes. Did you have a chance to talk to uh, the National Chief, uh, Robert Bertrand, uh, personally at the event? Yes, we spoke to him and uh, uh, Kim Baudouin, uh, the Vice Chief, along with the CEO, Jim DeVoe. Uh, but these were just uh, friendly handshakes more or less uh, we never we never got into any details or anything like that about us joining cap or them accepting us so you were there i guess at this moment as more or less observers we were observers yes mm-hmm. and, and of course you know i thank them for allowing us to attend you know this sort of thing do you think you would have uh, the inside track on being the newfoundland affiliate i mean i guess you would be the largest group of Newfoundland, uh, from what we know of the Newfoundland landscape? Yeah, we would be the largest group, but uh, I don't I don't know if they have an ins- if we have an inside track or somebody else does. Uh, you know, I mean, these people, uh, from what I can gather, they go to the conference in uh, September and they review the application and then they vote on it. So... Uh, I also believe that there's going to be a formal presentation that we'll be making to the uh, to the delegates there. So you know we're we're looking forward to it, and we hope that our application, uh, when we get it in, goes to, uh, 
is one of those that they're considering. CAP is uh, is a, a group representing mostly non-status uh, Indians. Um, I think some of the affiliates, uh, at least some of the affiliates, have membership requirements. Uh, MFNEN, because of where it's come from, uh, has, I think it's fair to say, sort of informal membership requirements. And I remember you telling me in the past that some people who were not Mi'kmaq joined in order to support the legal cause. So yes. will joining CAP and becoming a non-status band mean that you have to look at your membership criteria? Well, because we're a non-status band now, uh, you cannot, according to the Indian Act, you cannot be a member of two bands. But that is within status, you know. So you can't be a, in a status band like the Halapu and also be in another status band like Con River. We are outside of that, so yeah, you you know you can come and support us. But we will be looking at that very closely as the. Uh, as the months uh, go by. Right. Uh, so currently, MFNEN, um, there's no, uh, you join online, you contribute your uh, $20 annual membership, and that's the extent of your membership arrangements at this at this current time. Yes. Okay, Dave. Well, it's been uh, a busy week for you. I'm glad we had a chance to talk, and um, the CAP event is uh, is finished now, is it? Yes, it is. They're all done, and uh, so now it's uh, back to the uh, it's back to the hard work of uh, trying to get everything uh, up to date, and, and of course, sitting on pins and needles, waiting for the uh, the uh, judge's decision in the Abbott case. Dave Wells, chief of the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. By the way, on the subject of who else might seek the affiliate spot for Newfoundland, I am advised by the new Seven Shore Nations Network Alliance that we talked about earlier in the show that it will not be trying to join CAP. Before we go, a reminder that the next Halibu Council meeting is this Saturday, March 9th in Cornerbrook, starting at 9 a.m. Check the Mi'kmaq Matters Facebook page on Saturday for our live council reports. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Celebration time used with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on Bay of Islands Radio, and Norris Point and Rocky Harbor, tune in on the Voice of Bombay. And in St. John's, catch us on CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.